the Compassionate Warrior. This is a podcast about rising up and becoming a warrior. Encouraging women through compassion and support. Each episode, we will be interviewing strong women from all walks of life and learn from their journey. Today, we are going to hear Kenzie's journey being a lupus warrior. She is a superwoman. Close enough, I have to say. I'd like to present to you Kenzie Ann Gren. She's half Jamaican, half Bolivian, who was adopted at birth and grew up in Montreal in a, to an all-white family. It's a bit of a hard childhood for her, but she wouldn't change a thing. And she appreciates her family relationship. They are super strong. And she said that it wouldn't change who she is today. Aside from lupus, she also suffers from anxiety and also tried to become successful in setting up a business with her friend. She loves drawing, art, outdoor stuff like camping and biking, and absolutely love dogs. She was diagnosed lupus 11 years ago on February 2020. So, good afternoon, Kenzie. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for accepting the invitation. So, how are you feeling today? Um, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah? Yeah. I've been having a bit of a tough week and a half, a little bit of a lupus flare, but been powering through. That's really great. And you are a superwoman, a warrior, a survivor, a fighter. So tell us a little bit of your stories. How did you know that something was wrong? Um, it's funny because I think I didn't really know. I think other people ended up pointing it out to me because I'm, I, because I am such an anxious person, I don't like to go to the doctor. So when something's wrong, I try to rationalize it in my head. And so for a while, I was experiencing a lot of joint pain in my, my hands and my feet and my spine. And I just kept saying, oh, it's, you know, I'm getting older or I'm working out too much. And I was making excuses. And then a friend of mine was telling me, you're not walking properly. You're not picking things up properly. You're not holding things properly. There is something wrong. You should talk to a doctor about it. So... I went in with her and um, kind of just mentioned it off to the side. You know, I, I went to the doctors for another reason and then I sort of mentioned that at the end. Oh, I have some joint pain. And she said, okay, go do some blood work. And and then I did the blood work and they called me. And that was a confirmation. <laughs> well, it's, it's bizarre because again, like I said, I don't like doctors. So mm-hmm. they called me and... I had gone in for something else, so they had did like an ultrasound. Basically, I was having, um, my menstrual cycles were really bad, and I was like, you know, what can I do to, about it? And they said, well, let's do an ultrasound to see, you know, if you have any cysts or anything like mm-hmm. that. So they did an ultrasound, and uh, they called me, and they said, the doctor wants to see you. And I said, you know, is it is it really important? Because like, it's very hard for me to leave my house and travel somewhere, and I, I don't really like going to see the doctor. And the technician said to me, listen, like, I'm not supposed to tell you, but we saw a cyst on your kidney. If it, if it's hurting you, then you should see the doctor. And that's probably what they want to talk to you about. And if it's not hurting you, then you don't have to go. So me being who I am decided Mm -hmm. not to go. And then over the course of a year, I got worse and worse and worse. And then finally I ended up going and saw the results. And that's when it was confirmed that it was lupus. And what was your initial reaction after learning this disease? Um, I was um, really shocked because I really didn't think I had a disease. 
because the doctor told me that it could be a number of things. So when I got the results back, I should back up a little bit because when I went to see that doctor to get the results, they had told me it was going to be like a really long wait. Um, And I had an appointment with a rheumatologist to see about my joints. So I went there and he was going to do a bunch of tests on me. Mm -hmm. And I said, those tests seem similar to the ones that I did a year previous. And he's like, we'll do them anyways. So I was going to go, you know, across the street to do my blood work. And and then I stopped at the clinic to pick up the paper where the doctor had wanted to see me. Mm -hmm. And they gave it to me, even though it said in red, do not let patient leave. They gave it to me. And it said I was positive for all the things that he was sending me to test for. So I brought that paper back up to him. And that's when he said to me, it looks like it's lupus, but let's just, you know, confirm. And then he called me with the confirmation. So, yeah, it was definitely a a shock Mm -hmm. because I just didn't, I don't know. I just never, you never think you're going to have a disease. And I had no idea what what lupus was. Like, I I had no idea. I never heard the word before, you know. So I I was, was pretty, a little bit devastating, yeah, I would say. And your family, did, did you try to ask, like, was there anyone in your family had some genetic diseases that might have accounted for? Well, at the time, I didn't know any information about my birth mother. Okay. So I had no idea. But my um, adopted family, which I consider my, my family family, um, I'm very lucky that a lot of them are doctors and nurses. So it was very good for me to go and talk to my aunt, who's a nurse, you know, and my cousin and, and all these things. And, and they were able to tell me, you know, I mean, oh, don't worry, or, or this is what it's really about. And, you know, like, you know, we'll help you we'll, through, through the, like, as you go along. My aunt came with me um, for some appointments when I went for my kidney biopsy um, to see how far along my um, kidney disease in my lupus had progressed mm-hmm. and she came with me and uh, you know she knew she had retired since then but she knew a lot of the nurses and doctors there so she was allowed to be around for some procedures and like come into the day room and stay with me so that was very helpful wow yeah and uh, what are the some challenge or biggest challenges living with a chronic illness I'd say the biggest challenge is pretending to feel well because you're always going to feel sick so you have to just pretend it's not there and do any everything anyways and that's something that even um you know my um fiance had said to me once uh in regards to my anxiety which i also apply to my lupus is you know, you're anxious and you don't want to go somewhere because it makes you anxious, but then you're staying home and you're anxious. So that's two like, you know, negative things. Mm -hmm. Might as well just go and do the fun thing while being anxious. So it's kind of the same thing that I apply to myself is like, okay, well, like I don't feel well. I'm probably not going to feel well tomorrow or the day after. So I might as well just go and do the fun thing while I'm not feeling well instead of just sitting at home missing out. So I think that's probably the, been the hardest thing to, mm-hmm. to really have to learn to do because, like I said, every year lupus gets worse. And so I have to adjust to the new normal every year. 
And what's the first thing that comes into your mind every time you get up in the morning? Do you have to condition yourself, talk to yourself out just to go through your day all the time? Um, it's weird because it's been 11 years and I have never felt a day where I have absolutely no pain. So I, I'm in pain all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's 11 years without a break of feeling like you have a terrible flu and like pain. So the first thing when I open my eyes is I always assess my body. It's like an automatic thing. It's like, okay, is my head okay? Is my heart okay? Does my stomach feel okay? Are my bones feeling okay? Or how do they feel before I just actually get out of bed? Mm -hmm. And then once I do that quick assessment, I'm kind of like, all right, you know, like now it's time to train myself to ignore those pains that are happening and then just decide how I'm going to proceed with my day and not completely ignoring them. Like I always remind myself that I have lupus. There's certain like limitations that I can't do certain things because I don't want to overexert myself and then end up making it worse. So um, I I am aware of that as well. Is like what am I? What can I do today that's not going to exacerbate the situation? Your coping mechanism is basically living through it, right? Yeah. And not changing anything in your routine, but just like trying to live your life the way it should be lived. Just slowing down a little bit more. Like there are things that I'm a little bit sad about that I can't do anymore. Can you give an example? Um, I used to work out a lot. Okay. I used to go jogging a lot. I love running. I can't run anymore. I can't really walk very far. I can maybe walk like a couple of kilometers and then my legs just won't go any further. Um, but I've made adjustments to things like that. So because I can't walk really far, even though I love walking, you know, I ended up getting myself an electric bike so that I can go further on my own mm-hmm. without a car if I mm-hmm. needed to, you know. So I have made adjustments, but there are things like that that I, I do miss being able to do. Let's talk about your, um, you know, mental health or self-reflections. You said you you do have anxiety, you're anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're managing your own stress level, managing your own disease and managing your mental health at the same time, not to have that constant debate in your in your head. Like, what's your, you know, what's the first thing that you tell to yourself every time you have those negative thoughts coming into you? Um, I, (laughs) I don't know. Um, or how do you fight it? I kind of just try to tell myself, don't go there, you know, like, um, like for example, today, um, I don't like driving in cars. I especially do not like going on the highway, but I had to take the highway to get here to see you. And, um, of course I have the moments where I'm like, I don't feel well, I'm like really anxious and you know, tears come to my eyes and then I have my partner who's like, everything's going to be fine, everything's going to be okay and I just breathe through it and just tell myself like, just just breathe through it, just breathe through it. There are some days where I do kind of give in to the negativity and I, you know, it's it's not every day it's like maybe once a month i'll have like that pity day you know where you're just like (laughs) why but i have to have those days because if i don't like i'd probably go crazy so but yeah it is it's difficult but i think my friends really help me a lot like actually a tremendous amount they're amazing they are always like i'm like i call my sister and i'm like i don't feel well and she's like 
tells me a joke and says something funny and then one minute we're talking about vacuum cleaners and something else and we're just talking about silly things and I totally forget that I'm not feeling well and my friends do that for me a lot so yeah they help me a lot with that that's really great I mean considering the fact that you're going through this I would say that you are one of the most positive person I've ever seen like (laughs) with all of your postings on Facebook I mean, you power through each and every challenges that what's, whatever's happening in your body on that day. But you try to change your mindset. You're, you're not only mindful, but you're also to have this positive outlook with your day-to-day life just because you, you tend to shift your mind quickly. And that just shows how strong your mind is and your willpower to say, you know what, I'm not going to let it beat me. I'm going to dance with it, you know, and that's mm-hmm. what you're doing. It's so, and it's so amazing. That's why the first thing that comes into my mind I have to have her on my show. I have to because she's like, she's an epitome of being a survivor and a fighter on a day-to-day basis. Right? Each one of us fret about small things all the time, like how hard life. We complain about so many things. But this is so little compared to what you have to go through physically, mentally, on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of people who are experiencing what you're experiencing I mean, like you guys are just with the network that you've created amongst yourself, how you guys support each other by just providing that positive feedback comment and knowing that there's someone else, you're not alone, makes a big difference. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, Although I did, when you asked me to be on here, I was like, why me? (laughs) I'm just a person. (laughs) And and I don't know, I do feel that way. It's funny because a, a lot of my friends do say to me, you know, oh, you know, like I could never go through what you go through. But it's like, I said that about somebody else when I wasn't sick. And you're, you're, it's really surprising on how much strength you have inside yourself that you find when you do have to go through something like that. Like you do find it. So those people that say that, oh, I could never, I, I would fall apart. Like, you know, I fell apart. The first year after I was diagnosed, I was depressed. I was lying in bed and I was like, what is my life? What am I going to do? And, you know, my friend like literally snapped his fingers in front of my face and was like, snap out of it. And I was like, oh my goodness. Yes, I need to snap out of it. What am I doing? Just lying in bed and feeling sorry for myself. I need to, this is going to be my life. So I need to figure out how to work with it, you know, so... It's more on a being vulnerable with what you're going through and plus accepting it at the same time too. Those are two big challenging things, not only to expose yourself, but also to accept what you are. That's a constant struggle on its own. Yeah, that's why I think I went through that depression um, for, for a full year. I couldn't accept it. I was like, this isn't happening to me. I already have such a bad anxiety disorder. I, I don't need this on top of that. And so... It did take me a while. And then when I finally accepted it, I fully accepted it. Like, I accept that I have lupus. And to be honest, if somebody said to me, if you could go back in time and take it away, I would say no. Because I've met so many wonderful people. I could never erase those people, you know, that I've met through my disease. Like, because of my disease. I could never erase that. So, yeah. Wow. And how has leaving with lupus affected your career? Uh, that's a good question. Um, it has kind of halted what I was doing. So I was working, I owned a company with my friend. Um, what well, was her business idea and she brought me on as her partner. And we were doing uh, business development for Microsoft Partners. And that requires a lot of brain power. 
And lupus has affected my brain in ways that even doctors don't understand what it exactly is doing. But I can't multitask anymore. I can't, you know, it's hard for me to retain information and like hold it. Some things I can remember, some things I can't. And um, it got to the point where, you know, I was working at home, which was great. Working from home was great, but I had to start reducing the number of projects I was doing to where I was only doing one project to where this May is when I uh, stopped working altogether. Oh. I'm like full-time permanent disability. So um, I just couldn't do it. Um, and, you know, I want to eventually start something else with my friend in January. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be, you know, something that requires so much brain power. It's more of a creativity, sort of go with the flow, do it when you can kind of thing. Yes. Um, which is what I need. Because what I was doing before was just, it was taking too much of my energy, you know. And then once you're doing all of that during the day... And then your, you know, housekeeping and taking care of the dog and, you know, other things that need to be done. I had no energy. It was draining me. So sad. it's sad because I loved running that business with my friend. Loved it. It was, mm-hmm. you know, amazing. But I, I, it's definitely sort of halted that career path I was on. I was doing that for 15 years. So, Wow, 15 yeah. years. And you have to give that up. Yeah. Wow. And thinking about where you are now, you know, it's been challenging all those years for you. What would you say to someone who was just diagnosed? Um, typically, and I, it's funny that you ask me that because a lot of my friends who come, because they know I'm such an advocate for lupus, so they see me posting on social media about it. So if they find somebody who might have symptoms or somebody who is newly diagnosed, they always send them to me, mm-hmm. which I've made some really great friends, um, some that actually live in the city. One of my friends, Carolina, like I met her this summer and she's fantastic and it was great to be able to meet someone else like me. Like it's different talking to them online, but meeting them in person, it's like, you know, we're in this together, you know? Absolutely. Um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I usually tell them, well, first I say, what are your concerns? I ask them what their concerns are first, you know, and then, you know, they'll tell me what their concerns are. But I tell them it's really important that you follow your doctor's plan. However, always question what your doctor is doing if you're feeling uncomfortable and don't be afraid to ask for a second opinion. And that's one of my biggest things of advice because a lot of my friends end up going along with a doctor they don't feel comfortable with or somebody who's not listening to them and they don't feel heard. And I said, if, if it's a good doctor, he won't mind giving you a referral for a second opinion. He shouldn't or she shouldn't mind doing that for you. And my doctor actually did that for me. And that's something I really appreciated. And he said, I'm looking at you and you feel a little bit uncomfortable with um, what I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, if you want a second opinion, I'll give you a referral for a second opinion. And he's like, don't ever let a doctor scoff at you or act angry or upset that you're asking for a second opinion. That's not a good doctor. And he's like, and if you don't like what the second opinion says, he's like, come back to me and we'll talk again. And so that's advice that I give to other people is definitely like if you're uncomfortable, seek a second opinion. Make sure that you're heard. Make sure that you're heard. Find support. Mm -hmm. Support and friends. Like rally your friends and your family. And even if they don't understand, ask them just to be there for you. Um, You know, find a support group that 
of the same disease so that you can find out a little bit more about what your disease is about because everything you read in the textbooks or whatever it's it's not reality until you talk to somebody who's been living through it you know so those are pretty much the things I tell people when I first talk with them and it's not easy to rally your friends especially for those who doesn't understand what diseases are or or what are the challenges ahead of this person right well I mean you can see me Do I look like I'm sick? Not at all. So it's very difficult for... uh, Sometimes it's hard to convince other people that you are actually very ill Mm -hmm. because they're like, oh, but you look great. Um, You know, and and it's... That's that's kind of the first... One of the first websites that I went to, I found this woman, uh, Christine Mezzarondino. She invented this thing called the spoon theory, which basically equates to... How many spoons you have throughout the day is how much energy you have, you know, and uh, it's something I encourage everybody to go read. But she has started a website called ButYouDon'tLookSick.com. Okay. And it basically was all, in the beginning, anecdotes and some information, but anecdotes from other people about like, you know, stories about how they're explaining to their family, well, I can't you know, empty all the garbages in the house because running up and down the stairs and everywhere takes all my energy and hurts my joints. And they're like, but you look fine. Like, you're lazy, you know? And it's just, I think that is actually really hard, that we look fine, the majority of us. Some of us have skin issues, but Mm -hmm. the majority of us who has have what I have, which is the systemic kind, because there's all different types of lupus, um, uh, we look fine. And it's very hard to convince people that we don't feel well. But it's not about convincing, right? Sometimes people are just like so into their own world that they don't think about others. And that's the most challenging part, I think, mm-hmm. in dealing with, you know, just being part of the social group that yeah. is, yeah. Well, everyone has their own things, their own problems they're dealing with, you know? And I understand that. I I try to tell people, too, that the first time you speak with somebody and they have a hard time understanding you, just give them some time and explain it again. Because it's not easy for the person that you're trying to explain this to, for your loved one to accept that. You know, like my partner is pretty good at responding to crises and stuff like that um, when I'm just like, you know, oh, I'm in pain, like, or, mm-hmm. or this and that. But it's, I, I, I'm not going to fault him if one day he's like, well, like, why can't you go somewhere? You know, or why can't we do this? Like, I don't understand. It's, it's He doesn't live in my body. He doesn't know what it's like. I can't make him, you know, understand all the time. Mm-hmm. But he still tries to help me as much as he can, so. Absolutely. And what advice would you give to those who are trying to be supportive or looking for support? I would say the best thing you can do if you're trying to be supportive to somebody with a chronic illness is to ask them questions about what they need from you. Don't um just assume, you know, the best thing I think is to ask questions. What do you need from me? What would you like me to do for you? Or uh, what are you capable of doing today? And what do you need me to, to help with? Or do you want me to just sit here and listen? Do you want to just tell me how, how bad of a day you're having and just let me listen? Like, do, I think it's really important to put the ball in the other person's mm-hmm. court, the person who's actually the sufferer, and let them sort of lead the conversation because sometimes when we're having a bad day, we just want to talk about how terrible it feels. <laughs> and we just want the other person not to pity us, but just to show some empathy and some understanding and just be like, wow, that that does kind of suck, you know? Like, um, 
I'm sorry you're feeling that way. You know, just just empathy, you know, just empathize a little bit because I think that's the one thing that we that's that's why I post on social media. Mm -hmm. It's not like I'm looking for pity not looking for somebody to be like I'm so sorry and because we hate that the most yes we just want um someone to sort of be our buddy in it you know kind of just be like you know oh yeah me too you know I get that from a lot of my other lupus friends it's like oh yeah I'm feeling the same way too and I'm like oh I'm glad I'm not the only one it kind of just makes you feel better that's great. I mean, having that right support curve actually alleviates some of the emotional burden that you have to go through because you're already feeling guilty that you're, you know, you feel sorry for yourself or not, you know, continuously for for having that chronic illness. But at the same time, you feel guilty of asking that extra help from other people. So that's a double guilt that you're experiencing. So you don't want to put that on them, but rather if somebody want to be supportive, just try to be empathetic. That would help a lot. Yeah, I feel guilty a lot. <laughs> I think that's what I feel guilty a lot of the time with my anxiety or disorder and with my lupus. It's like double guilt. I'm yeah. always just like, you know, I I I know there's certain things that need to get done, and sometimes I'm like, you know, this needs to get done, this needs to get done, this needs to get done, and I'm sure in their head they're like, well, then why aren't you doing it? And so I feel really guilty that I'm, you know, have like that, but you know, at the same time, I'm like, trust me, I wish I could do it. You know, like wintertime, for example, you know, I, I live with my partner and I live with my roommate. I have a roommate as well. Mm-hmm. And they're outside shoveling snow. I used to love shoveling snow. It was kind of like a family thing that we used to shovel snow with my family and throw snowballs at each other. It was kind of fun, you know. Um, I tried to snovel, shovel snow. Um, I think it was last year. And I, two scoops and I'm like, mm-mm, it's not good for my back. I can't do this. And, but it, it does make me feel bad because I wish I could help. So yeah, I do feel guilty a lot, but I try to pretend I don't, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Was that more of a self, you know, like there's always a battle within your body physically, but also there's a constant battle within your, with your mind, Mm -hmm. right? And with your emotion, Yeah. the guilt. And it's like, no, no, no. There's the inner voice that says, no, don't feel that way. Oh no, it's okay to feel that way. You know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Although most of the time it's don't feel that way. <laughs> I'm telling myself don't feel that way, don't feel that way. But yeah, you can't help how you feel about certain things. You, you can tell yourself don't feel certain ways, but you can't help it. Oh, are there any, um, are there a lot of support groups here in Montreal? Um, there are, uh, but it's funny. The first one that I found was, um, I'm, I don't know if you remember, because this was 11 years ago. So it was Yahoo used to have, when you had a Yahoo email account, Mm -hmm. you used to have those little chat tabs on the top. So I went into the chats and I typed in lupus and then all these chat rooms came up. So I picked one just randomly and it brought me to a website where everyone would chat. And I started talking to a few people there and then um, I guess... They sort of pointed me towards a, a, a lupus support group. Um, I think it's the lupus, the Canadian lupus. I can't even remember now. <laughs> it's okay. Um, but it is um, the support group that I go to. I can actually find it. Go for it. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's just called Lupus Canada. The official site, and uh, I—that's the support group I was, you know, sort of turned towards. 
uh, in Facebook. And uh, they've been pretty great. I don't post in there as much as uh, as I used to. Mm-hmm. I um, I go in there if I have a question that I really don't know the answer to. Um, and I know a lot of people will say, well, just go ask your doctor. But it's kind of, it's weird because lupus is the kind of disease where there's no cure. Okay. And so all the medications we take just sort of get rid of the symptoms. And most of the time we have any problems, they basically just tell you, like, up your dose of what you're already taking. So a lot of the times we need to come together and ask what other people are doing for certain things. Oh, you know, what are you doing for a migraine? You know, um, and if it's a home remedy, did you check with your doctor first? And if, you know, and Mm -hmm. they'll tell me, if they tell me home remedies, I'll bring them to my doctor to make sure they're okay. Because I have kidney issues, so I have to be careful what I put in my body and Mm -hmm. because I have bad filtration. So, um, yeah, um, I, I, I love going there to ask questions if I need to ask a question that's really tough. Mm-hmm. But um, for the most part, I don't really go in there as much anymore. It's, a, it's kind of difficult also to see people who are, um, you know, 10 or 15 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of looking at what your future looks like. You know, more aches and pains, more problems. And mm-hmm. it can get a little depressing. So, you know, I'll go in there to answer some people's questions sometimes too, or just to be like, you know, chin up, everything's going to be better. You know, don't worry, like you have friends here. But um, I try not to be in there too much because I sometimes can bring you down. You know, I mean, all support groups, anything like around illness or or even mental illness, like there's always that fine line where you don't want to be in there too long because then... You know, you get yes. down, but yeah. you want to also help a little bit and get help as, as well. So, oh. If there's one statement that you think that you could share to our listeners being a lupus warrior, what would it be? Um, you're not given more than you can't handle. That's good. That's really good. Mm. And where do you get your inner strength? Uh, honestly... I would have to say my friends. Um, There's this one woman who, oddly enough, her nickname that I call her is Warrior Princess. (laughs) Because she has lupus. Her name is Heidi. And she is probably the strongest person I know. And she is, like, amazing. She's been through so much with her disease and she's just a little bit older than me. And I I look at her and how she just went through school, put herself through school and, you know, got herself a job. And even though she's still not well and she, she inspires me. And so when I'm feeling really down, I will talk to her and I'll just be like, listen, you know. And, she, and, and she'll, she'll just be like, you're, you're fine. You're doing fine. Like every, you know, it's just, she really inspires me. And then of course my sister, Heather, she, I talk to her every day mm-hmm. and she is probably, she's my best friend. Like I have a couple of best friends, but she's my best friend. And, um, and she, she just, she doesn't have an, you know, a, a, an illness like me, but she definitely is very empathetic and very caring and just um, funny and just makes me feel better. And uh, it's funny, I have this really small group of friends, but they're really there for me. Um, my friend Vero, she also has, you know, autoimmune 
problems, um, still trying to establish what they are. But one thing I love about hanging out with her and how she helps me is we vent on each other. We just let it all out and Mm -hmm. we just feel so good after because we're like, oh, we don't have the same problems, but we understand each other's pain. And so we hang out and, you know, and then of course my best friends, Sabrina and Amanda, and they um, are just, they just make me smile. They're honestly the best. Those are those are like my bestest friends. They're like my closest friends, and they're honestly like my heart. They Aww. they they help me stay strong. They help me stay strong. Like yeah, it's unbelievable. Oh, thanks to all of them for helping you with your journey. Yeah. Um. So tell me, putting those things aside, not to disregard, but I'd like to know more fun things about you. So can you tell me two things? Um, fun things. I'm weird. <laughs> I like to listen to 80s music and just dance around my house. When no one's there, I just turn on 80s music and I dance and I sing because I can't dance well and I can't sing well, but I pretend that I can. No one's there, so, you know. I mean, I'm sure people outside my house could probably hear me, but um, I love doing that. That just actually dancing just makes me feel so happy. Listening to music and dancing is one of those things where if I'm feeling the worst, I'm just going to put on that 80s bop and just dance around the house. That, and I enjoy doing art a lot. Like just drawing, lettering, okay. and all that stuff. Like just sitting down in my office and I have my book mm-hmm. and I just doodle in it and draw. And, and that's actually one thing me and my sister share a lot is she loves to do the same thing. And even though she lives pretty far in Calgary, what okay. we do is we constantly take pictures of everything we draw and we send it back and forth to each other. And she's like, oh, I'm drawing this right now. And I'm like, I'm drawing this right now. And I think that's actually really something that's fun that I love to do. And I can attest to that because she would post something as lyrics from Friday, I'm in love, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like, for some reason, the song got stuck in my head. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, that's true. Tell me why. <laughs> Yeah. I know, it's just like it's just fun you know it's very refreshing to see things and to learn about your different coping mechanisms too to that would help you get through the day not being you know as you're, you're fortunate enough and you know I'm, I'm I hope that everyone everyone would actually have the same support group like you do have all the love and you know and the love from the community love from the family member and a supportive partner at the same time that you know, which is very important and critical to anyone who's going through what you're going through oh yeah definitely I've actually you know, heard from some women where their partner was like, once they got really sick, their partner was out. They were done. And it's really sad because it's like, you're supposed to be there in sickness and in health, you know? Um, And I can tell you right now that anytime I've been really ill, my partner has been, do you want to go to the hospital? You want to go now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm just like, no, it's fine. I think I'm okay. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, but he's definitely very on his toes and will take me anywhere I need to go if I'm not well. And that's really important to have somebody like that. So definitely, yeah. Wow, that's really great. And thank you for for those men who will stand behind their women, (laughs) support them through thick or thin. All right, so one last thing since our theme is a warrior. Tell me, what is being a warrior means to you? I think it means um, being true to yourself. Like 100%. Um, And being kind when it's hard. Like when you're going through a tough time and you're not feeling well, you have to just still be kind to everyone. I think that's really important. Kindness is like, 
if everyone was kind, the world would be such a better (laughs) place. (laughs) And it's just like everyone would be so great to each other, you know. Um, And I think that people overlook kindness because they're like, "Mm, kindness is weakness. No, that is not. Kindness is not weakness. That's it takes a warrior to be kind in situations where you don't want to be kind. I agree completely. Yeah, I think that's it. That's very beautiful. And I thank you for that. You're another person who actually has a proven statement why kindness is very important. Because a lot of times we get the stigma that being kind is being weak. No, not at all. You don't understand. Especially if you're trying to be kind on unfortunate situations, having to go through all of those you know, challenges in life, and yet you still be kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, not many people can attest to that. But those who have been there knows exactly how it feels to have none to have felt whatever it is and yet to still give love to a lot a lot of people and be kind yeah yeah and that is why i always like i told you so many times like oh Kenzie, you're a survivor you're a fighter because you just power through and like what i said i wish a lot of people would resonate to your journey not in, in, a, in an illness aspect but rather whatever is going through your life you know just power through it it's gonna be okay it may not be okay today but tomorrow is gonna be another day yeah it's fine to have bad days and be like, oh, God, why, why me, mm-hmm. you know, or, uh, you know, be a little bit on the grumpy side. But you just, you got to get through it. You just got to do it. There's not, this is my life. I can't take it away. And, you know, I, I wouldn't if I could. It's part of my personality now. It's part of who I am. So, yeah, it's just, um, just got to do it. Just got to power through your life and keep going. Well, that's the way it should be, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the only surviving mechanism that we could actually incorporate with our daily practice. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us because your story can be a survival guide for a lot of people out there. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> it's been a wonderful afternoon. It's a wonderful journey. And not, you know, knowing you for 15 years, close to 15 years, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> it's so unreal because we're just like co-workers at one point and now you know, here you are. We're at the situation. I know. I've watched you grow. Like I've watched you over this time just <laughs> grow into this beautiful human. And I'm like, she's so great. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, this is the reason why I actually continue to pursue or aspire to do the things that I do because I'd like to be the voice for those who doesn't have the voice. And to use this the platform that I've created to a lot of women, I always believe that we're all warriors, you know, and we can empower a lot of people by showing our compassion, being mm-hmm. kind, and showing our strength, our resilience to whatever life thrown at us. And together we can make this world just a better place just because we know how it feels to be in that situation. Definitely. And the more of us who talk about our experiences, our journey, the more people become aware that you're not the only one. Right? I think what you're doing is amazing. Well, thank you so much. And I really appreciate and I welcome you. So I guess if you don't mind for any um, just recently diagnosed lupus, you know, survivor, maybe we could share our day. They can reach out to you through Facebook if that's yes, okay. Yes, uh, they can find me on Facebook. It's uh, Kenzie Ann Grant and that's okay. K-E-N-Z-I-E okay. hyphen N-A-N-N-E Grant. Perfect. Yeah. And they can send you email to as well? Uh, yes, you can email me at kenzieandgrant at gmail.com. Perfect. Well, yeah. thank you so much. So I hope and uh, to all listeners out there to uh, drop a line or if you want to know more about Kansas Story, you can find her on Facebook. You can send her a quick email. I'm also going to post her information on the links later on once I air the video. But yeah, so she's a true warrior, a superwoman who doesn't only fights a battle every day, but 
a decade now. So power through you. Still sharing love, still sharing a positive outlook on a day-to-day basis. So my wish for you is just keep going, stay positive, and the world needs more of you. Thank you. So once again, thank you so much to all of our listeners. Uh, the Compassionate and Warrior Show is for all of the warriors out there. So if you feel uh, like you'd like to share more about um, any topic or you'd like to know more uh, of any of our guests, feel free to uh, send a message at thecompassionatewarrior2019 at gmail.com. You could also leave a comment to this video or you could send us a uh, quick shout out on Instagram too. Thank you very much and have yourself a great day.